Well, I don't know about you, but after that worship, I think, uh, I think that's uh, pretty good for today. So uh, I'll be seeing you next week. So worship team, thank you so much for your ministry. I, uh, I think a round of applause is appropriate. Absolutely. Thank you for your sharing your skills with us and your passion for music. Um, you know, I was standing here, I was looking out the window, and I was thinking about, you know, it's kind of chilly in here. Uh, where's one of the trustees at? Did you go throw another log on the fire, maybe, or shovel in some coal? Yeah, 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 you go throw another log on the fire there, Ken, it's... <laughs> you know, it's funny, the Bible says... Uh, Psalm 147, he sends forth his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts forth his ice as fragments. Who can stand before his cold? You, you, when you walk out this morning, uh, I don't know about you, but that was a blast of cold. It's supposed to get colder today. Uh, all the little kids are like, yeah, we're supposed to go back to school this week, but... You know, maybe if we're lucky, it'll be minus 30, and we won't have to go to school another day or whatever. So, Of course, the teachers are saying the same thing. Trust me, we're, we're worse than the kids, I think. So, Well, to begin with, I have some huge thank yous uh, to go out. First of all, thank you to all of you who have been so supportive of me the past year. I received several gifts uh, from some of you. Uh, that were very much appreciated, and uh, I thank you uh, for your encouragement most of all and your friendship, um, all the gift cards, uh, other gifts. It was just amazing. It was totally unexpected. Um, as, I, as I've said before, you know, I just felt like a year ago it was just time, you know, I had to do something to help my church and if it wouldn't have been me, some other man would have, would have stepped up and led, or, you know, the women of this church have always led, and, uh, but, but thank you so much for your, your generosity and your, your encouragement, I, I really appreciated that, and, you know, this church has always been one that has been very, very generous, if you're new to this church, or you know, you're visiting with us today, a, a lot of the, the funding, actually, that we we bring in, I mean, a lot of that is used to minister to, to people. We, uh, we don't have a, a pastor on a paid position or anything like that right now, and, and a lot of that money uh, is being used to help people. Uh, when I was uh, younger, I used to work uh, in a warehouse, and every morning the trucks would come in, and we'd be unloading the trucks, and you'd hear all the people down there, yeah, well, yeah, my church, they just want your money. They just, you know, they pass that plate around, they just want your money. You know, and the pastor drives, he drives a nice car, and, you know, here we go with all that. I'm very proud of the fact that a lot of the funds that you so generously give goes to minister and to help other people. I don't have the books. Uh, Beth's, I don't see Beth here. I'm just off the top of my head, I'm betting... Easily, we probably gave over ten thousand dollars to to people in our community, people within our church, to help meet real 
needs. Uh, they're going to turn off the electricity. I'm getting evicted. I got to have food. Uh, you know, these types of things. Our church is able to do that because of your generosity. Now, I get blessed because I get to go physically hand a check to somebody or can help somebody. And I get to see the, the, the joy on their face, the, the shock a lot of times. But that's only possible because of you and what you give to other people. So I am immensely proud of you and, and thankful that the church that I love and serve is, is a, a church that gives. They, they give so much of itself to the people of not only our congregation, but our community. I remember a year or two ago, the poor guy over here, his house burnt down. We gathered up money just to help him out. I mean, those are the things that good people do, that neighbors do. And I'm so proud and uh, encouraged. And, uh, you know, the world that we live in, I've often said that, you know, sometimes we sit back and we expect God to do miracles And I still believe that God does do miracles, but I think that God chooses to work and to operate through the church. We don't have miracles like, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. We don't see people raising the dead. We don't see people performing these kinds of miracles anymore. And I don't think God intends that to happen. Instead of doing miracles, he he gave the world the church. The church, go and you are me in the world. Go and do these things. And so when I see us give, you know, I see the hand of God working in not only our lives, but in the lives of so many other people. And in the, you know, in the coming weeks, you know, I'll probably be encouraging people to give, give more. I always, we always do this in January, which I think is kind of ironic. It's right after Christmas. Everybody's broke anyways and Give more money, you know, so, but unfortunately in the world that we live in, it takes money to to minister sometimes to meet needs of people, and uh, I'm very thankful for that. Also want to thank everybody for the Christmas Eve service, that was really cool, the chimes were really neat, those of you who uh, participated in that, that was really, uh, like Mark said, it was kind of unexpected. Uh, not that you guys were going to be as good as you were. I mean, it didn't have anything to do with talent. It's just I didn't know what to expect with, with chimes. You know, I thought it was just like triangles, bing, bing, ding, you know. And it was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And I'd also like to thank the, uh, the older girls and, and Kayla for organizing that princess party. I saw some pictures of that. And, uh, you know, Mark, you spent the night here at kind of the watchman. Were you like Gaston? Was that it? You were the bad guy? You know, no. The other great thing about that, it was held on a Friday night. Real early in the morning, Mark's asleep. He's camped out in the, the office. And one of the Jones boys showed up and was like, why are all these people here? We got to get this church. We got to get this parking lot cleaned out. And he's like, it's Saturday morning. <laughs> you know, so, oops. <laughs> It's nice to see people you know, that anxious to come to church, so that's awesome. So. Well, here we are, another new year, and it's a, a great time to look back on the, the previous year. It's a natural thing to do. We've, we've always done it. 
Whether you're a Christian or not, uh, it's always, uh, oh, it's a brand new year. It's time to, we can try something new. I'm going to make New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do all these wonderful things. And, you know, you look back, you know, as a, somebody who teaches history uh, and is interested in that, that topic, uh, you know, the last year has been quite a year. And not only, you know, for the world, but, but for our country. We have a new president. You have... Uh, uh, increased tensions with other countries, North Korea. Um, there, there were several massacres that occurred, just horrible things that, that shook the country. You know, what happened in, in Texas with the church and out in Nevada. Uh, the Me Too movement, many women are standing up and finally you know, speaking out, feeling the courage to speak out against some of the rotten ways that they've been treated, the sexual abuse, the discrimination in the workplace. Women are fed up with it. Uh, you're seeing, uh, for the first time in a long time, actually, our national life expectancy actually dropped last year. Does anybody know why it dropped? What, what caused our, our life expectancy in this country to... Drugs, the opioid crisis. What a shame. But yet, what, a, what a play, an opportunity for the church to minister, to reach out to people. There are a lot of people trapped in a lifestyle that includes, uh, you know, I, I asked somebody, well, what makes heroin and, and you know, that, that stuff so addictive? And they're like, well, what you got to understand is it's not just a matter of being able to, to say no. Back in the 80s, it was just tell your kids to say no. Okay, well, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, the problem is, for some of these people, once you've used heroin, I mean, in your own mind, think of the greatest, most exciting, wonderful thing, the most pleasurable thing you can think of, and then amplify that times about a thousand. And that's what these people feel when they, they take a hit. And once you've experienced that, just telling somebody, well, you probably shouldn't do that anymore, they ain't going to get it. The opium, uh, the crisis is spinning out of control. And rather than judging people, we need to understand you know, where they're at. Yes, it's a shame. You probably shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have gone speeding and run off the road. I shouldn't have done things too, but things happen. And then, of course, our country was shake, shooken up all the culture wars that, that are going on. Uh, the, what happened in Charlottesville, you know, they're getting rid of the... Uh, 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 the Confederate monuments, get those out of the way. Uh, people were upset about that. Others were in favor of that. Uh, the NFL players taking a knee against racial injustice. Of course, many saw that and were offended and, and angry. It's crazy. A lot of stuff happening. But, you know, this is the time of the year where it's, it's good that we look back on that and kind of take stock of where we are, what we've, what we've seen. As Christians, we need to stop at the... Uh, at the end of the year, it's a great time for us to measure our progress, to think about ourselves. And that can often be a very painful thing to do, but that's what I'm going to ask us to be doing today, to kind of take a, an inventory of ourselves and in our church and say, okay, where, where have we been and where are we going? 2017 was an important year in the life of this, this ministry, of this church. Um, of course, probably the big event, uh, the selection 
not selection, but the, uh, yeah, the selection of a candidate for a potential pastorship, okay? Um, of course, we're talking about Kyle, okay? That's still to come to fruition, so be in prayer about that. Um, the car show, what an amazing outreach that was. Think about all the work that went into that, and uh, just an amazing outreach. Many of you on, uh, have ministries of your own. Julie Driscoll is always involved in a ministry of some kind. Others have been involved in um, collecting food. Deacons, you've served people. Uh, again, give, give, and minister to people. That's what our church is about. We've seen new friends join our church. We've seen uh, people baptized into the body. People become minister, or excuse me, uh, members of, of, of our church. It's also been a, a year where, as Larry had mentioned in prayer time, it, it's a year of loss. We've lost friends this year. We've lost family. We've seen people um, you know, go through things. And we as a, as a church have, have done what we can to, to help. Um, but it's natural to take time to reflect on some of the successes and, and some of the things that, that have happened over the course of the year. Uh, Paul was, a, uh, of course, a great apostle, spent a lot of time you read the book of Acts, you know that Paul was a missionary. He spent a lot of time traveling around the world, and at that time, the, the Mediterranean world, and um, teaching them and spreading the gospel of Jesus. And, and he put up with a lot and, and experienced a lot. And we're going to be looking at the book of uh, Philippians today, chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles or your devices or Whatever. <laughs> you never know what they're going to come out with. Here in, here in 20, 30 years, you'll probably be sitting there with your little Google glasses on, bringing up the Bible. You know, hopefully, you know. either that or you'll be watching YouTube while somebody's up here talking. I, I don't know. But, uh. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians uh, is a letter that Paul wrote. And a little bit of background on this church here at Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony. Okay, this is not a Jewish town. You know, it's not in Israel somewhere, but the people of Philippi were Roman citizens. It's actually, uh, I think, in Macedonia, which is, you go up the northern coast, northeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea, up, up, you know, start heading towards Italy. Philippi's up there. So they're, they're proud Roman citizens. They probably spoke Latin. They probably had Roman uh, customs. They modeled their government after what had been going on in Rome. Okay, so these are, these are Roman people. Now, there probably was a very small Jewish settlement or Jewish group that had settled there. These are the people that, that Paul is going to to go and see. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, it talks about how um, Paul goes on his second missionary journey. He stops here at Philippi, and he wants to uh, visit the Jews who live there, and there weren't enough men there to really start a synagogue of any kind, 
but there was an active women's group, ladies, thank you, uh, who, who worked very hard to, uh, uh, you know, sort of support the Christians, the people in Jerusalem. Well, Paul preaches to them, and one of the, the people there was a very wealthy merchant, a, a woman by the name of Lydia, who probably dealt in expensive goods, uh, uh, fabrics, that kind of stuff. But she was a believer and probably hosted the first church right there in her home. So this is the, the situation that Paul's going into. And as soon as Paul shows up, of course, trouble begins. Trouble seems to follow Paul all throughout his life. And uh, that's the price he was willing to pay for being a servant of Christ. And if you remember your book of Acts, uh, they ran into this demon-possessed girl who was probably being taken advantage of by a couple of, couple of guys who were using her as a, like a fortune teller and making money off of her. And, Come see the crazy girl. She'll tell you all about the future. And people were like, wow, and she's like, eh. you know, people were like, wow, they'd give him money. And well, Paul shows up, and he wants to establish some kind of a, of a, of a, fo- a fellowship here. Well, the first thing that's got to happen is, you know, the, the demon in this girl, she got to go. So Paul casts out the demon. That ticks off the, the people who were handling her, and there goes our source of money. They got mad and beat Paul up, threw him in jail. And uh, he and uh, a friend who was with him, a man by the name of Silas. And uh, what's the rest of the story, I like to say in, in school? What happened to him? They just rotted in jail forever and ever, right? Who showed up that night? Does anybody remember? Angels showed up. And a big earthquake, and it wrecked the jail, and... Paul and Silas walked out of the jail, free. Okay, the angel showed up and busted them out of jail. All right, a good way to think about it. Of course, the jailer was like, oh, they got away. Oh, my gosh. You know, I might as well kill myself now because that's what they're going to do to me when they find out what happened. Paul and Silas were like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't kill yourself. In fact, we're going to go with you and we're going to preach to you and we're going to go to your whole house and everybody's going to get saved and... And the next day, the people freaked out and panicked when they realized Paul was a Roman citizen himself. And they were like, uh, sorry about that. If you were a Roman, we would have given you a trial and uh, treated you like uh, any other Roman citizen. We just thought you were Jewish trash, and you know, we thought if we beat you and roughed you up, you'd get out of here. So, so they ran Paul off, and, or tried to, and... Over the, the rest of Paul's life, he visited the city a couple more times. But this church had always sustained him. This was a church that had always given to support the ministry. Whenever I read about the church of Philippi, I, I always think about North Hills, always supporting, always giving, always helping somebody. And in this case, Paul needed their support. He needed their gifts, their material support, the prayers that they gave to him. In fact, later in his life, Paul would be imprisoned in Rome, and he counted on the Philippian church to to help him. In fact, the 
Philippian church had sent a delegation to Paul to bring him more stuff and to, to check on him. You know, Paul's in jail. He's a great man. He helped to start this church. We got to help him. So they, they sent a delegation to Paul along the way. One of the leaders, a guy by the name Epa, uh, yeah, here we go. Epaphroditus, he gets sick. He almost dies. And so when they show up, Paul says, you got to go back to your church. God love you guys. You're always thinking of me, always helping me, always giving to me to support me in this, this ministry. When you go back here, Epaphroditus, and you guys, here, I got this letter. I want you to give it to him. That letter is what we call the book of Philippians. Okay, this is the letter that Paul sent back with them. And uh, Paul's going to encourage the church to be aware, to beware of false teachers. Many of the Jewish uh, believers who had been converted were, some of them were starting to uh, teach that, well, look, we're Jews. We gotta, we gotta get some of our Jewishness back into the this Christian thing. What's more Jewish than being circumcised? Wow, that sounds like fun. But we gotta get that in there. I mean, that was a big sign between God and His people, and, and you know, we need to, we need to work that back in here. And Paul's like, oh boy, here we go. So. Uh, here in Philippians 3, Paul is addressing this group of Christians who, who are stuck on the fact that you know, they're working in this, this Jewishness. Let's, let's begin here in Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it's a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Ouch. Dogs, I mean... Dogs were pretty filthy animals in those days. They didn't like, you know, people in that, that culture didn't like dogs too much. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the, in the flesh. Uh, so what's Paul saying? Beware of the false teachers. you got these people coming in, and they're going to start to tell you, if you want to be saved, yeah, you, you got to believe in Jesus. But you also, fellas, you better be circumcised, just like our Jewish forefathers. In other words, you have to do something. There's some work that you're going to have to perform if you want to really be saved. And Paul's lesson, his message throughout all of his ministry was, that's not right. Salvation comes through faith alone in Christ. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's no magic act or something you got to do. You don't mutilate your body to, to, to get into the, the, the kingdom. This is ridiculous. These people are preaching this in the churches. And Paul has something to say about it. And he goes on and he says, look, all this stuff about having confidence in the flesh. If getting circumcised was such a big deal, you know, let, let, let me put it to you this way. Verse 4, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I, Paul, more than anybody, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of a Pharisee, 
as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. You want to find a good Jew? Here I am. I've done everything a good Jew is supposed to do. And yet I'm here to tell you, even that, that's not anything. That's not going to lead me to salvation. That's not going to put me into the kingdom of God. Verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, all those neat Jewish things I did, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. What Paul is saying here is, you know, it's almost as if he's looking back on his life. He's saying, okay, this is going to be a great point here to stop. And let's just look, what's, look back on my life a little bit. Let's pause just like we do here on New Year's Eve. Stop and think about the past a little bit. Take, take stock of all that's happened. And Paul looks back on his life and he says, I've done a lot of neat things. I've been a good Jew. But he also points out that of all the good that, that he's done, all the accolades, all the successes... He calls it rubbish. Now, I looked up the Greek word for rubbish. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but I always assumed it meant, like, garbage. All that wonderful stuff I've done, that's garbage. The word actually means dung, filth, manure, poop. And all that stuff I've done, that's a bunch of crap. That stuff doesn't matter. In terms of my knowing Christ, I was circumcised. I was a super Jew. I was a Pharisee. I learned that. That's dung, excrement. And he said, losing that stuff is nothing compared to knowing the value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing a knowing, a salvation that comes through faith, not through an actions of all these wonderful things that I've done. Paul takes this inventory of his life. And he goes on and he talks about, uh, let's see here, uh, let's pick it up in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, not that I'm a perfect Christian here. I can relate to that. I talk a good Christian talk, but in my mind, I know I, I got a long way to go, gang. Okay, I got a long way to go. And I, not that I've obtained it, I'm not perfect up here, but, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Now, in Paul's life, Jesus stepped in in space and time, and he got Paul's attention. On the road to Emmaus, boom. I wish Jesus would have done that for me. He never did me the favor. 
Then again, I don't know if I'd want to be blinded by a light and, and go through all that, but Jesus laid hold of Paul for a specific reason. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. And, and on he goes. Basically, he says, this is a great time to look back on my life. I'm telling you, the stuff that these people are teaching you in this church, Philippi, they're wrong. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. None of us are worthy. None of us. The salvation is given as a gift, a free gift given by God. None of us can earn it. We can only accept it through faith. The actions, the life that we live will be evidence of that faith as we go on. And Paul's looking back on the course of his life and he's saying, I've done a lot of neat things. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that I press on in my relationship with Christ, that I move ahead, that I try to reach that, as he called it, the upward call of God. What's he talking about there? You know, becoming more like Christ would have him to be. You know, we have to fight really, until the last tick of the clock, you know, until we die or we're called up in the rapture to be with Christ, we have to continually press on to spiritual maturity. When I was in college, and sometimes even in high school, I see kids do this. We used, there used to be this thing called auditing a course. Maybe some of you have audited a course. What that means is you go into the class, and you, you sit down, you get all the information but you're not required to do anything. You don't get credit for it. Okay, there aren't any uh, requirements put on you. Joey, you live in an academic world. Uh, have you ever audited? You, in you, do you, did you audit a, have you ever audited a class? They still charge you, even to audit. Well, they're going to get their money, whether you're there or not. Yeah. Auditing a class, you're going in, you're getting the information, you're, you're listening to it. You, 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 wow, this is great. But there aren't any requirements placed upon you. Think about your own life, your own sense of spiritual maturity. Paul doesn't want to audit the Christian life. Neither should we. How many times do we go to church? Do we go to Bible study? Do we read our Bibles? And wow, look at all this great information. And we read it, and it's, oh, it's amazing. But we don't do anything with it. There's no real need, I guess, to actually, do we really have to do that? Paul is saying, don't audit the Christian life. It's not enough to show up and hear the Bible stories and to sing the songs 
and to, to audit the Christian experience. You have to live it. You've got to take the course, and you're going to have a test at the end. Thankfully, this is an easy test. You just, you know, I'm saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, you pass. It was a pass-fail kind of thing, I think. But Each of us should take a moment to think about our own lives. What can we do to press on to spiritual maturity? Here's Paul looking at a church that has always supported him, has always done good, has always helped other people. And even Paul is saying, this would be a great time for you to stop and think about yourself. Don't sit back on all the wonderful things that you've done. Ask yourself, are you pressing forward? Are you pressing on? Are you moving closer to the goal of that upward call of Christ? What are your New Year's resolutions? I always used to laugh at people make resolutions. Nobody ever keeps them. I'm going to get healthy this year. Yeah, sure. That lasts till about lunchtime, and and then I'm like, well, we'll do it tomorrow. And yeah, yeah, you know, Monday is a, a good day to start. It's the first day, yeah, you know. Monday rolls around. Well, you know, I drink so much pop. The lady at the little store in Terryhead the other day, I picked up some pop, and she was like, you know, you really ought to, you ought to invest in Pepsi. And I'm like, is it that obvious? Do I drink that much pop? She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, gee whiz, you know. I pull the truck over out here by the dumpster before I leave and unload like seven or eight empty bottles I just threw in the back of the truck throughout the week. Yeah, that'd be great to give up in the coming year, but it ain't going to happen, all right? (laughs) It ain't going to happen. Here's something, though, that I personally have felt really convicted on that I'm going to try to to give, and maybe you too. Uh, I read through the New Testament, and, and oftentimes the, the word idleness comes up. What the heck is idleness? I always thought, oh, that's like an old-time sin. Old, old-timers sin that way. We're in the 2017. We ain't got time to be idle anymore. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13 says, At the same time, they also learn to be idle. As they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Well, I don't go to people's house and, and gossip. I don't, I don't uh, go to people's house and, and, and make crude jokes and laugh at things and, and, and waste hours a day. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a minute, i got to check my Facebook here. Let me see what... Okay. How much time, you know, for myself, I, I've caught myself, I check my Facebook before I even roll out of bed. I roll over, pick up the phone, or, or what's going on here? Criminy. That's where I, you know, I start to really put the phone down, take a step back, <laughs> you know, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. And I think, you know, the principle is there. You're not spending too much time on things that don't matter. I ought to use that time more constructively. You know, I teach uh, my athletes, football, track, whatever, you never stay the same from day to day. You're always, uh, you're either getting better or you're getting a little bit worse. But I don't think any of us stay stuck in neutral. 
you're the, uh, if you're a basketball player, some of you kids, you're either getting better every day, or you're working on that, or you're, you're slacking off and you're getting a little bit worse every day. You're the hitting the weights, and you're getting stronger every day, or you're taking your time and you're goofing around and you're letting yourself slide the other way. But we never stay the same. We either improve or we regress. Every time we meet as a church, every time we minister to somebody, every time we do this thing we call church, we need to ask ourselves, are we improving? Are we pressing on towards the upward call of God? Or are we auditing the Christian life? Are we stuck in neutral, looking backwards and sliding further and further away from where God wants us to be? But I don't think we ever just stay in neutral. You know, I think about our church and some things that that I'm convicted on, things that I would like to see this year. Um, First of all, I'd like to see us get our teaching in order. The more that I read the New Testament, the more I realize the the premium that's put on the idea of teaching, of, of not only learning about you know, God's Word, but, but you know, the Christian principles and incorporating those into our lives so that we can become more like Christ. In other words, you know, make, make progress like Paul's challenging us to do. There was a class that I wanted to teach. Well, that was good for a while until I got bored and busy and didn't get around to it. I had somebody ask me the other day, we ever going to do that class? Because I sure would like to do that. Oh, yeah. I guess I better get that, get that thing organized. Our Sunday school, I'd love to see it uh, explode. Here I am looking backwards. Consider it, you know. Uh, I can remember times we'd show up at 9.30 and there'd be 80 people in here ready for Sunday school, and we'd have people singing and dancing and games, uh, birthdays, so happy birthday to you, oh, happy... I mean, here I am 30 years later, and I still remember that. You know, people would come up, and they'd put money in the little bank, and we celebrated all those things. Then we all went to, to Sunday school. Is there a way that we could do that better? Once again, thanks to the ladies for carrying on a consistent Bible study group. I know there are probably other groups that meet. I want to plan and make sure that we do vacation Bible school this year. We didn't do that last year. We weren't able to. We didn't have enough help. I mean, it might be Vicky and I standing out in the front yard with a you know, kickball here, you know, that might be Bible school, but we're going to do it. I mean, somehow, some way, we're going to serve the kids by making sure that that happens. We need to continue to raise up leaders, to raise up people who are going to take an active role in this church so that when it comes time to do ministry, we can do it effectively, we can do it better. We're going to pin down when the pastor is going to be here. We're going to get things settled. We're going to find ourselves ready to get back and do the things that Paul would challenge us to do. If Paul was to write us a letter, 
I'm asking you, North Hills, press on towards the upward goal. You don't get to sit idle. And finally, the biggest thing we need to do, I really feel strongly, you need to get your lay pastor, that's me, to fully commit to the church. I was satisfied with my performance last spring and and through the summer. But then fall hit. I got wrapped up in school. I got wrapped up in football. I got wrapped up in all this other stuff, and I became ineffective. Thank you so much for all the wonderful words of, oh, you do so good, John, when you speak. But in my heart, there's so much more I should have done that I didn't do. I get to speak, but I don't have time to visit, to do ministry. Well, I want to tell you, I can fix that. I don't have to coach track. I don't have to coach football. You know why? That stuff is manure compared to the upward call of God. I don't want to audit the Christian life anymore. I want to press on to what matters and to give up the rubbish that is simply useless compared to knowing and serving Christ. Well, it's a new year of exciting possibilities, and I can't wait to continue to serve you during this interim time. Our pastor will be here. The day is coming, okay? And we are going to be a church prepared for that day. And until that time, please allow me to to serve you, to do what I can. If you have a need, let me know about it. Or let somebody in ministry know about it. This is a giving church that exists because we love Jesus and we want to love one another. And I want to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful chance that we have to look back and, you know, it's all about moving forward. We get knocked down and and it's not about how tough you are, it's can you get back up and and you got to keep moving. Lord, you challenged that church through Paul, challenging the church of Philippi to, you know, don't be stuck. Move forward. Shake off the, 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 the garbage. Help us not to take a lot of pride in how good we are, but to remember that nothing matters except knowing you more. Father, as a church, we love you, and we thank you for giving us the opportunity to love and to minister to so many people. Father, help us today to move onwards in the upward call of God through Christ Jesus. Amen.